Welcome to Style Section, the Wise Guy Podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Sheila. And we made it. Uh, we're now into arc number two. Some people will tell you this is the high point of the entire series, and I don't know that they're wrong. But the the difference is, you're never going to get, like, a relationship again in the show like Vinny had with Sonny. No. But you're going to get incredibly interesting plots going forward. Yeah. Uh, because, as they say, like, after the experience with Sonny, to a certain extent, Vinny knows not to get too close to people after that. Right? After what he went through with Sonny. And we'll talk about how close he ends up getting in a bunch of cases. But at the yeah. same time, he is better about... He is better about distancing himself from the organization than he was with Sonny. Like, he never gets that far in again. No, not even in the one that we're yeah. going to be talking about over the next uh, four, <laughs> four or five four weeks. podcasts. Eh? Yeah, four, four maybe five. five. Yeah, because there, yeah. there are 11 episodes to this, so it, mm -hmm. I guess if we're doing two a week, it's six. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Alright, so let's get right into it with uh, episode one, Independent operator. <laughs> yeah. I just keep going. I keep going. Not smooth operator. Independent <laughs> operator. The 80s, I tell you. <laughs> no, hey, hey, I get it. I know where you're coming from. Yeah, uh, but yes. with the 80s. Oh, God, do we ever. All right. So, yes, independent operator opens on a beach, which is a, a nice way to start. Vinny has obviously been in therapy for a couple of months. Yeah. Right? He's been in therapy for a couple of months. His head is on straight in a way that it wasn't in the previous episode. He is like, and Frank is like, are you ready to work again? Because, you know, he's kind of fed up that his, uh, that his number just... one long ball hitter yeah. is, uh, is on the bench. And of course, as are his bosses, we know what, it, you know, we know how scummy Daryl seems. Yes. Already. Daryl, yeah. <laughs> We already know how scummy Daryl seems, so there's no chance of Daryl, you know, wanting him to be left out there. Yeah. Right? So Daryl obviously wants him back in the back in the saddle, and so that's what he's there to do. And here's the first compromise that gets made. Now, they say he's flying out to Stockton, California. Now, of course, it is crazy to imagine that a guy who's... Uh, how shall I put this? Whose entire raison d'etre like whose entire uh his his legend his backstory all of it is in the northeast of america uh-huh like that's where his mob connections are the idea that they would fly this uh guy out to start doing a job in stockton california is of course ludicrous but there's a reason for it and that is they weren't going to be able to film in montreal yeah, this is this is one of those things that it's we just learned. a compromise. Yeah. yeah, we learned later on. Like the idea is um, the the organization is supposed to be going and is supposed to be based around New York, but uh, but their home base of operations is in Montreal, and that's going to lead to a funny scene in a couple of episodes where they go to a <laughs> hotel in Vancouver and nobody speaks English. Oh, and then there's, well, there's already one in the next episode. Oh, no, we'll, in this we'll... episode. It's in this episode. It's, oh, that, like, it's in this episode. But we'll talk about that as we get to it. But yeah, like there's a couple of weird references to Canadian geography. Because... That you're just going. What? 
no, that's not how that works. No, no, no you can't get a body from Ottawa. <laughs> but, yeah, I know. <laughs> that, that just ain't the way it works. Uh, but anyway, we'll, uh, we'll get there. <laughs> but the thing is, when... It was funny. It was, it's a weird situation because uh, when it was set in Vancouver, all of these references... Sorry, when it was set in Montreal, all of these references made perfect sense. Right? Well, make make reasonable, reasonable sense. sense. Yeah, a reasonable okay. amount of sense. Because but the idea that there would be a very fancy hotel where they mostly just spoke French, you know, that's, that's oh, yeah. believable oh, yeah. in Montreal. Well, uh, that's the case need, in Montreal. Yeah, that is the case. Needing to go to a metal school, medical school outside of Quebec. Montreal. Well, yeah, uh, out of Montreal itself. There's a bunch of universities in Montreal. But then again, we don't know exactly where the hit was. Maybe yeah. it was like right over the border. You know, like maybe it was right Cornwall? over the border. Yeah, maybe it was right on the other side of Cornwall, right? Like we <laughs> we honestly don't know. And if it was on the right on the other side of Cornwall, it would make more sense to go to Ottawa for that course. But anyway, for uh, the body. yeah. But yeah, because like literally, there's a scene where like Vinny is supposed to have a contact. It's supposed to be believable that he has a mob contact who could find a, a doctor. And I'm like, yeah, that would be great if you were in Montreal. But if you're yeah. in Vancouver, that's insane. Yeah, because, I mean, that is the funny part, is that the mob had its connections in Montreal. Oh, absolutely. The mob functioned out of Montreal, yeah. and to a certain extent, Toronto, limited. Yes. In um, Well, the mob always was limited in the West Coast, even in terms of California. Oh, yeah. Although they did in Cal, you know, they had their people in california but it was still never they're not never. a huge organization out there the way they are in the northeast and in middle america yeah they're just they're so, just not big out in, in chicago and never were no but chicago indiana kansas yeah. like there's the mob made it all the way like all the way to yep. middle america mm -hmm. they just didn't make it really to the west coast in the same numbers and that's true of canada and the united states yeah mickey cohen and bugsy siegel notwithstanding exactly. yeah but I mean, again, how yep. much of an impact did they really make? And that's the difference. Well, it didn't last for any exactly. length of time. I yeah. think that's the greatest. That's yeah. the best way of looking at it. Yeah, All right. And so, so uh, but, said, but we're okay, getting please. way ahead, <laughs> way ahead of ourselves talking about the mob. All right. So <laughs> the important part of this story, the important part of this story is Vinny's dispatched out to uh, Vinny's dispatched to Stockton, California, because there's a guy out there named Roger Lococo. And just general surveillance has hooked onto this guy as being maybe a mercenary, maybe a hitman, because there tend to be all sorts of murders wherever he ends up. And the thing yeah. that's confusing to people, and the reason they assume he's just a hitman, right? Yeah. Is that all or of the people he kills, or an independent operator, right? Yeah. right? Yes, an independent operator, a guy who takes contract work, right? Yeah. The, yeah, the reason they think that is because all of the people he's killing are in different lines of work and different hustles, yeah. right? And so were he working for one person, he would generally be only killing people in the drug trade. But there's all sorts of criminal businesses he's killing people in, so it doesn't yeah. really make sense to them. So they're like, just go find out who he is, see if you can get in with him, because again... That's your job. Get undercover. And the idea is maybe they'll be able to get a line on whatever criminal organization he does jobs for. You know, it could work very well. You know, it's, it's a good way. 
Yeah. And then we meet our first very fun character when he gets out there, which is Kenny. Yep. Oh my god, when he gets off the plane and Kenny's there. <laughs> and Kenny's reading him the pack. Okay, here's the here's here's your here's my, your my uh yeah, no, he's like, uh, what time is it? And he's like, it's eight uh eight twenty-five. Oh no no that's uh, my clock says uh, my clock says seven fifty seven fifty seven fifty uh, or seven twenty five, it's eight twenty five, and then Vinny has to tell him that I just got off of leave so I don't know what the new codes are. <laughs> okay, well this is what you have to tell me. Yeah, it's like so <laughs> before I can talk to you. Before I can talk to you, you have to understand that I'm going to say my watch is seven fifteen. It says seven fifteen, and you're supposed to add the date. To that number, like these ridiculous codes they have to do. All yeah. the secret squirrel stuff they have to do in order to talk to one another. It's it's a nice scene. And so yes. he meets Kenny, and they take Kenny, and Kenny takes him to the hotel where Roger is staying, and they get a look at him. And so the the interesting part is, right away, there's a character mentioned, and this makes me very excited, because... I've been talking about how I didn't notice stuff, right? Uh, yeah. How, like, all the stuff we discover about the show watching it this time. And I discovered something amazing watching it this time. And I'll get to that. But he talks about his regional director, right? So that is the equivalent of who um, uh, Daryl is on the East Coast, yeah. right? So he's a regional director. And now so they've got the regional director in Northern California, right? And yeah. so he go like, Kenny f says... Like, give the, give my regional director a wide berth if you can. You know, he's, he's not someone you can rely on. He's not, he's just a real, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of whatever Yiddish insult he uses. Cause that's Kenny's entire theme. Yes, he, he uses. He's the Japanese cop who constantly uses Yiddish. Yep. Who constantly speaks in Yiddish. He might even be Jewish. He might be Jewish. We don't know. Like, we never learn that much about Kenny. But it's no. such a nice little character detail that he's constantly using uh, Yiddish aphorisms. At, well, not aphorisms. Yeah. Yiddish uh, slang is the yeah. thing I was going to say. Because it's always, you know, Mazamuk and thing like Well, no, that's the Italian one. Yeah. Uh, yes. But talks about the Goyim all the time. So he might actually be Jewish. You never know. You never know. Yes. That's the thing. Because the... Yes. Anyway, we won't get into that. No, we'll at talk this about point, we'll yes, talk about him were... more later. But it's it's a very nice character beat. Like it's a nice yeah. character touch that Kenny's got this uh <laughs> Kenny's constantly speaking in Yiddish. So, uh but he says stay clear of Clayton Bartholomew if at all possible. He's just not reliable, right? He's just uh you know, and of course He's a Daryl. Yeah, he's a Daryl. He's a company man. He's only yeah. cares about his own position and promotion and working his way up the government ladder. Like mm -hmm. he's not here for the work. He's here for what he can get out of the work. Yeah. And that, so it's it's a nice moment. And it only gets better. Right? And this is what I I cannot stress enough. Because so they uh they go and they see <laughs> they go and they see Roger. And they're like, okay, Vinny's got a plan. Roger seems bored. So he's like, maybe I'll give him somebody to talk to. You know, somebody in his line of work. If I put somebody I think he he's a man to. in need of a friend. Exactly. He needs a buddy. So I'll go Just and I'll like apply Sonny for the did. job. Just exactly like Sonny did. Yeah. Right? Uh, he needs a friend. And again, uh, Vinny has an openness to him that is disarming to people. Yeah. He really does. Right? He really does. It's undeniable. So... 
Uh, they do a wonderful scene the next day. Uh, just a fantastic scene where Vinny is sitting out the bar. Uh, no, at the, at the patio, a table down from where Roger hotel. is. Of the hotel by the pool, right? You know, drinking, and he sees that, uh, and we see that Roger's drinking Bloody Mary. So, of course, that's what Vinny orders too. Because that's the little things you do. And so the Kenny shows up pretending to be a gun dealer, right? Yeah. And he comes up to Roger and says, you Vinny Terranova? And then Roger's like, yeah, no, get out of here. <laughs> and so then yeah. Vinny and the guy have an, a large, sorry, a loud argument about guns. And right away, this piques Roger's interest because he's got someone he can talk to about guns. Because all these people love guns. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And we, uh, we cut to a couple of hours later. Right? We cut to a couple of hours later. And... Uh, <laughs> There's a great scene where the two of them are just sitting there and they're like each three Bloody Marys in. So, you know, they've been sitting there chatting for two hours yeah. without saying anything meaningful in the entire time because they're just feeling each other out. <laughs> Which I think, again, really good writing. The scene plays beautifully and you get this wonderful, uh, this wonderful scene where Vinny gets to uh, <laughs> gets to show off that he is, in fact, uh yeah, he's a made guy. He's an important guy. And he's got the newspaper clipping in his pocket to prove it. That uh, Vinny Terranova was also arrested when the Steelgrave crime family was destroyed. So there you go. And uh, Roger says, oh, oh, so you can handle work? Well, come and see me tonight. And uh, maybe we'll see what we can uh, find for you. And Vinny's like, wow, this was weirdly easy. Yeah. <laughs> this was strangely easy. And so he uh, is like, okay, great. Yeah, no, I'll see you tonight. But of course, uh, what Roger has actually planned for that night is just picking up some sex workers at the airport. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Just a private plane shows up and a bunch of sex workers come off it. And we get a funny note because he points out that, they, oh, great. They don't speak English. All what he says is they're finished and they don't yeah. speak. Yeah. They're, oh, they're like they've been flown straight from Finland or Germany it's, or whatever, or whatever. And none of them speak English, and uh, and then we find out that he's working for somebody because he mentions that Sue has a sense of humor. Well, that's one that's going back. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's later on, right? That's so, later on. So but it's, because it's you see them the, the next thing. morning, you see them the next morning having breakfast. Roger's already ready to move on. Exactly. <laughs> And, and that's, that is the funny do? scene. That is actually yeah. the very funny scene because Roger immediately, like, uh, the the next morning after spending the night with these, you know, imported uh, sex workers, is just, like, scanning the bar for other semi-pro sex workers yeah. he can start hitting on. Yeah. Because, again, he moves fast and he bores easily. Is what he tells Vinny because Vinny says, but, you know. You're, we're literally still sitting. Here. We're literally sitting across the table. From three sex workers already, Roger. And, well, no, and also gorgeous, gorgeous. Oh yeah, these gorgeous women. women. Right? Yeah, uh, and he's like, yeah, but you know, I get bored. That's just who yeah. I am. And then, so what are you going to do, Vinny? Well, Vinny's going off to Bakersfield. Yeah, he's going. He's going to go off to Bakersfield try and find a new gun. And uh, and Roger has another thing in plan. And this is this next part of the scene is the thing I only just discovered watching it this time. Okay. And this blew my mind that oh, I had okay. seen this episode 50 times and never noticed this. So as they're walking out, right, as they're walking out of the bar, we follow them, right? We follow them walking out of the bar. 
And as they're walking out of the bar, they, the camera pans down and between their two bodies as they're walking out, you see three to four frames of a guy looking at them. And it is a guy in a three-piece gray suit. He's got a bolo tie with, um, what's the, the blue stone, blue-green stone that's so important in uh, Native American art? Turquoise. Turquoise. I can never remember the name Turquoise. Right, so he's got a turquoise bolo tie. Like, he's a very memorable looking guy. But if you're not paying attention, and why would you be? It's just a scene when they're walking out. You could not see that this guy was there in those four frames of the show watching them. But that's really important. So they go out, and he's got something to show Vinny instead of going up to Bakersfield. And what he's got to show Vinny is he has built a Rambo car. <laughs> Oh my god, they go out to his train. Well, actually, range. it's more like a uh, Max... Um, what? Um, or a James Bond Mad car. Mad Max car. Mad Max car, James Bond car. It's more like car. a Mad Mar Max Mad car. Mad Max car. And supposedly, right, this is based on something that uh, Canel and Lupo actually found out about while they were doing their research. I don't oh, really? know. I mean, that's what they say. I don't know how true that is, but they say that this isn't as far. They maintain that this is not as far fetched as it seems. Okay, so they claim that it is not one hundred percent. Like it is not completely preposterous the way you but, might think it. You no, it doesn't it. strike me as completely. Like it never. It has. That's the funny thing is it never struck me as completely preposterous. Yeah, that that, I, that you could do that. If you wanted to, I think it's a, you know. Oh, yeah. I know you be... absolutely could. It would be difficult and expensive, but, you know, when you've got unlimited money. Yeah. 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 When you've got yeah. unlimited money, why not have a uh, this crazy, crazy monster car. car? Yeah. Yeah, this insane monster car. And, where and then he says, sends it up, send it up to the kids. To the kids, which is, that's a nice moment because yeah. it's setting up something to come later. Uh, but the thing I really like in there is 100% this scene is the inspiration for the end of uh, Breaking Bad. There's no question. There, I okay. mean, we know that we know those guys were big fans of Wise Guy, right. and the plot of Breaking Bad is literally resolved by a machine gun stuffed into the yes. trunk of essentially the same car Roger has. Yeah. I don't think that's an accident. I don't no, think that's no, a that's an homage to Wise yeah, Guy that absolutely they figured nobody much will get. Isn't oh, no. that funny? Yeah, yeah. It's because a, it's I a, certainly didn't. You think didn't make of that when connection I was yourself. Watching. No, but in retrospect, it's absolutely a reference. To, it's a little homage to it Wise Guy. It has to be. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way it's not. So yeah, I thought that was I thought that was a nice touch. Uh, the uh, you get you still got Wise Guy being remembered by Breaking Bad. I mean, of course, Wise Guy's remembered by Breaking Bad. That's why Jonathan Banks is on the show. Yes. But, <laughs> but even having that kind of detail, I thought was very nice. So yeah, I was I was very happy to see that. Okay. Uh, so he's got this like insane car. And then he says to Vinny, okay, we're going to have some other stuff to do tonight. So be ready. And so finally we see that, uh, right? So finally Vinny checks in with Frank and Kenny and Clayton Bartholomew the regional director who he's been warned about. And if you were paying attention to that four frames, 
you will realize that the man that Vinny meets in this scene is the guy from the restaurant in the previous scene who just drifts past immediately. And I can't tell you how impressed I was that the show did that. (laughs) It's like, I mean, it's the little things that count. Exactly. It's doing storytelling (laughs) that far in the background of a scene because by having him there, Like, this proves that everything Kenny implied about him was completely accurate. This is the kind of guy who doesn't trust his people. Mm -hmm. Like, everything we see about Kenny is that he's reliable, right? That he does his job, that he's a professional. Mm -hmm. But this guy obviously doesn't trust Kenny to watch the thing. So even though he's a regional director, which is a public figure in the FBI, and theoretically he could be recognized... He goes to see Roger and Vinny for himself because he doesn't trust his subordinate to be on top of things. Wow. And it's like right there. We know that this isn't like we know this isn't a square G. We know this isn't a guy we're going to be able to trust. And in every subsequent scene with him, we learn that 100 percent that is accurate. Yeah, for sure. I mean, for the love of God, he doesn't want Vinny and Frank operating in his, as he calls it, his bailiwick, which is mm-hmm. not the right word. Uh, <laughs> in no. his, uh, later he uses, he corrects it. And that's, again, a funny thing about the character. The first time he says bailiwick and it's wrong. And then later mm-hmm. he comes back and he says wheelhouse, which is correct. <laughs> so it's like he went back and he looked it up. It's such a fascinating character. But it's like, he's this kind of guy who is this uh, martinet who just is obsessed with his control over mm-hmm. his area. And he doesn't even want to let them do an organization because, as he says, if there was anything going on here, I would already know about it. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what he said. Yeah, If exact... I knew. Yeah. yeah. If it's there was anything like... going on, I'd know about it. Yeah. Well, guess mm-hmm. what? Yeah. Maybe not, maybe not so much. Not and, so much. And again, that's key to the character, and it's such great character work. And there's a great moment because then Vinny is like, you know, uh, I noticed there was a paramilitary training organization, and those might have been German sex workers. I don't know. This sounds like it might be <laughs> Nazis. <laughs> like, Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> and so Clayton is immediately picks his okay. ears up. Because, oh, Nazis, well, that's high profile. That's something that might get me in the newspapers. Yeah. So he signs off on continuing the organization. And, of course, uh, Frank and uh, Frank knows there's no way these are Nazis. And yeah. Vinny knows there's no they, these are Nazis. But, again, Nazis are something they'll get you in the newspapers. So Vinny knew that it would be something that would excite a guy like Clayton like Bartholomew. Clayton. Yeah. yeah. And, by the way... Isn't it a beautiful past that we used to live in where the government actually used to care about taking down Nazis? Yeah. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, it really is interesting from that perspective when this is before 9-11, right? Yep. Yeah. When when it did matter, these people did matter and they were higher on the radar. And then 9-11 just messed everything up. Not only messed everything up, but, and this is a true fact, right? So, uh, the FBI really went after the militia movement, which is, you know, a code word for Nazis. Uh, it's just a code word for Nazis and always has been, um, the militia movement after, um, uh, the Oklahoma city bombing, right? 
And what's fascinating is uh, George Bush took all of the money out of chasing down Nazis, right? And spent that all of that effort chasing down Islamic terrorists after 9-11. But the problem was there weren't any Islamic terrorists in America. But there were a lot of Nazis. Like a really large amount of Nazis. And, and we are paying for it We now. are paying for this now. But what's fascinating is, so the Nazis used this window after 2001 to start infiltrating military government and police departments across America. And just fill them up with white supremacists. And what's interesting about that is, when Obama came in, his Justice Department started actually going after Nazis again and trying to track these people down and break up their organizations and keep them from, you know, taking over police state, police organizations and governments. And what happened was, all of the Republicans got together and kicked up a big fuss saying that if you go after these people, you're basically going after Republicans. Which... I think it's a pretty embarrassing admission. Like, to me, it seems like that's a pretty embarrassing thing to admit and a thing you shouldn't be caught in public admitting that all your supporters are Nazis. But that is what the Republicans did. And they used the fact that they controlled the Senate and the House to essentially, and I know this is crazy, disgusting to say, cut off funding for a lot of Obama's stuff and a lot of stuff the government could do unless the FBI backed off of Nazis. And again, well, that yes, sounds but crazy. They weren't but Nazis. <laughs> they were just white people they were looking just white for people. their rights <laughs> and freedom to be who they were oh and to God. carry guns and oh yeah. <laughs> we all know what we were dealing with. But I mean that's that's the thing. So anyway, this in a way as we've talked about um, uh, wise guy is really set in a, uh, a world, like a world of the past. Pre-9-11. Is, yeah, pre-9-11. I exactly. think that that's the way you, you have to code it. It's yeah. pre-9-11. You're absolutely right. And I should just use that simple term. And therefore, it is. it's a pre-9-11 mindset. That's, that, that's why you don't have them chasing Muslims. Yeah. You know? By the way, it's like, there were so few Muslim terrorists in America that, like, the FBI literally had to invent Muslim terrorists to in, uh, arrest, yeah. which actually happened and is one of the many disgraceful things the FBI has done over the past 20 years. Oh, we won't. Uh, we're <laughs> not going to go. I, I don't. Oh, no. Here, here. There is a, there is a time. Uh, there a place might be a day where I would <laughs> feel like going down this rabbit hole. Today is but not that But it sure day. as hell isn't today. All right. So they yeah. convince him to go. Uh, <laughs> They for a managed, lot of reasons. They managed to convince uh, Clayton to let him keep working on it. And then that night, uh, Roger shows up and puts Vinny on a plane up to Vancouver. Gets and, on a plane with him. Yeah, gets on a plane with uh, Roger and the girls, and they just head up to Vancouver. And suddenly, boom, he's out of sight. And frustratingly, he's out of the FBI's jurisdiction. Yep. So now we have to bring in another character who is their CIA contact, Charles Chagrass, who's another fun character <laughs> we meet. Another guy who, once Papa. again, yeah, very interested in his position being protected. But you were going to say? No, no, I was just going to say another stereotype. Oh, God, yeah. You know, yeah, absolutely. I mean, oh, and, and I mean, this is a time when the CIA 
still hadn't quite been taken down by Oliver North and mm-hmm. all of the stuff they had done. But um, well, I mean, yeah, they're uh, still walking. They're beginning to have to walk on eggshells, but he's not at this point. Nope. So we get out to the so the CSA CIA, the CIA now has di- direction. jurisdiction. Yeah, jurisdiction. and. But it's a complicated situation <laughs> because uh, uh, because Frank is Vinny's handler and Vinny doesn't work for the CIA, so he doesn't That's have right. to listen to Clayton Bartholomew. But he also doesn't have any right to be working in Canada. So right. it's this it's this ridiculous mess he's found himself in. And the best part in that scene is Clayton Bartholomew in the background impotently demanding that everyone remember that this is his case because it started in his wheelhouse. (laughs) (laughs) He just thinks it's very important that everyone remember that he gets the credit for this. Like, God damn it. Yeah. Unless, well, and yes, the problem is, is they can't really do all that much. They just have to inform the Canadian government. Yeah. Because they, they can't arrest people. They can't do this job. All they can do is fill in the Canadian government. And there's going to be no, no arrests or anything because nobody knows what's happening. Yeah. They They don't even know. know. They just know that something criminal is happening, but they don't have any details. And Vinny has left not just the country, but I mean, they, I mean, he's in the ocean. Yeah. yeah. They they fly to Vancouver and then they get on a boat and go out past the three mile, the two mile limit. Yeah. Yeah, so they so, yeah, let, they like, take a in, chopper to the boat, and they're in international waters. Yeah, so, there's so there's nothing anybody can do. <laughs> and so this is the scene where we would have met Susan and Mel Prophet, the main uh, villains of this arc. Yes. But, fun fact, uh, Mel Prophet got fired during rehearsals. <sighs> yeah, I know. I'm as surprised as anyone. Uh, he got fired during rehearsals and they had to recast him. So he got cut out of the first episode and they quickly recast him. And that's who Kevin Space is playing. But as a consequence, he wasn't cast yet. And in fact, he like didn't get cast until after they had shot this or like during the shooting of this episode yeah. is when he was, they were casting people. And it was desperate because the guy they cast fascinatingly was beloved actor Gary Cole. And I was kind of amazed that they, you know, did not go with Gary Cole because he's fantastic. It's Gary Cole. Uh, I was a little disappointed to find out that he didn't get a chance to play Mel Prophet. But what's interesting about it is that as a consequence, the only person who's in this is Susan. But we do meet Susan this week. Yes. Yeah. And God, I would have loved to see some footage of Gary Cole, even if it's just rehearsals. Like, wouldn't you love to see that footage? Okay, let's just, we will take our uh, rest in peace Gary Cole moments because at this point, yeah, I know. He he is always, I don't know, I would have loved to have seen him see this. I would have loved to have seen Crusade continue. I I would have loved to see Midnight Caller continue. And American Gothic continue. And American Gothic would have been wonderful wonderful if it had continued oh god that was incredible. i so wanted to see where that went that was going to go play because it even had lucas um, lucas black playing the kid ended up in ncis new orleans if somebody wants to a a recent Uh, but he was a child yeah when he was a child 
and he went on to be in uh, Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. Oh, yes. oh, and now he's on NCIS. My and favorite he's got Fast and Furious movie. It is, because it's the one with the most Han in it. That's why it's the best one. Well, <laughs> and well, I yeah. don't even know, but it's funny because everybody kept telling me that Tokyo Drift, Drift wasn't that good, and you did too. Everybody... It's All a good movie. And, and whenever I would talk to sometimes my students, we'd be talking and I'd going, yeah, but my favorite is, is Tokyo Drift. And yeah. I'd try to push it. And I did meet one other. <laughs> and it was another woman who, who absolutely Loved thought that Tokyo Drift was wonderful. But you changed your mind when you watched it again. I absolutely so, did. I changed my mind on Tokyo Drift. 100%. I heard you talking about it on the AVOD. Yeah, absolutely. I ch- I came around on Tokyo Drift. Yeah. 100%. All right, so Anyway, so that's the, Lucas Black. So but, he, um, he meets um so he meets Gary uh, Cole would have been wonderful. He would have been wonderful. So Vinny meets Susan Prophet, who is mm-hmm. Mel's sister and yeah. the one of the two people running the criminal organization. He's finally like just seeing a tiny piece of. Yeah. And so she comes in to interview him, uh, but there's a guard in the room. And this is kind of important because it's setting up stuff later on. But like we get three good looks at the guard and we even find out his name, which is Marcos. Mm -hmm. So it's like, that's going to be important later. And it's showing that the show has learned to set stuff up if you want to pay it off. Like you have to set Mm -hmm. stuff stuff up early if you want to pay it off. Yeah, and so she says, well, we'll see how, like, uh, I'll let you work with Roger. We'll see how you do, right? We'll see if mm-hmm. you can... Uh, uh, I'll talk to Mel. Yeah, I'll talk to Mel. We'll uh, You work with Roger, and we'll see how you do, and, you know, maybe there'll be some work for you. Yeah. And so Roger shows up, hands him a gun, and says we're going to work. And now... <laughs> so then we get probably the most important scene in the episode. It doesn't seem like it, because it's one of the quietest scenes in the episode. But it's the scene about where we finally get to know who Roger is. And that's why it's such an important scene. So we finally get a piece of who Roger is. He, uh, They're sitting in a hotel room. They're waiting for a call about when and where they can get the guy they're supposed to go and kill. Right? Yeah. And they, get, they start chatting. Right? And we, you know, we learn a little about how Roger sees the world. He's got a very fatalistic view. It really does seem like nothing matters to Roger. Like yep. I, th- I think that's fair to say. Like he just, uh, he seems to have like checked out emotionally, and we get a piece of that uh, in what ends up being the most important uh, line, maybe in the whole half a season, right? Maybe in the whole arc, because there's this moment where he's talking about what it's like working for Mel, and that Mel is, you know, a crazy person, but he's rich. He's unbelievably rich. And when he gets happy, he just starts throwing around money. Just like, he's just got, as he says, laundered cash in stacks of $10,000 stacks. He doesn't even count. He just throws at people. And as he says, all I got to do is pull a guy's drapes here or burn down a house full of poachers over there. Stuff I did in the NOM for $465 a month. And I'm like, there you go. That's it. Right there. That's what this season's going to be about. Yeah, and Ro- it actually in terms of both both arcs. Yeah. That he has essentially just created. Well, no, but it's following up because two yeah. weeks ago we talked about Sonny talking about how the government mm-hmm. kills people all the time, but they do it themselves. They don't, you know, make children. No, no. Sonny does it Sonny himself. Sonny does it himself. Yes, yeah, Sonny does it himself. He doesn't, you know, Slow make children. Down. 
he doesn't make children go and die for him in a jungle halfway across the world. And the thing is, Roger is one of those children who got sent to die halfway around the world. Yes, and he survived. He survived, but it has changed him. Yeah. Like, it has fundamentally changed him. And the clear part is, he has drawn a specific moral equivalency between the work he does for Mel Prophet and the stuff and the, he used to do for the government. Yeah. And that's clearly he was, he, he did more than just, he was more than just a grunt. Yeah, he was more. I mean, we'll find out later that he was in yeah. the Phoenix. Uh, what is it? The Phoenix company or whatever they called it. You know, yeah. the guys who like murdered people, like went out and assassinated people. Yeah. He was an assassin for the government. Yeah, he was an assassin this for the is, government in Vietnam. Yeah, and the thing is, is this becomes more realistic now at the end of the 80s than it was when, for example, Robert Ludlum was was writing all of his books. Oh, yeah. Like the Bourne, the Bourne books, the Bourne right? Series. Which were shocking and people thought they were science fiction practically. Yeah. And then and then you ended up at the end by the end of the 80s. Right? Like, oh, yeah, going, I guess oh, the Phoenix freak. program was a real thing, huh? Oh, so I guess tread, what is it Treadstone, called? Treadstone, yeah. Treadstone. Okay, so there's a little more truth to Treadstone than we wanted to accept. Are you ready for um, this? Um, are, are you ready for this? Treadstone, uh -huh. of course, was based on, you know, the Iran-Contra stuff. Yeah. Uh, partially. Like, the, the sleazy stuff the CIA was doing, you know, around the Iran-Contra thing. And, or even um, before that. Or even before that. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but, and specifically, when, so when they made the Born Identity movie... Doug Lyman, like, actually, I don't know if it was his dad or his uncle, had a relative who was actually involved in that, who was actually involved in the Iran-Contra yeah. stuff and the shady stuff the CIA was doing. So he wanted to make sure that instead of the more fantastical stuff in the book, it was as much like the stuff the government was actually doing at the time. So that is yeah, why they go to the trouble of trying to make it more realistic. Yeah, you're forgetting. You 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 keep saying Iran Contra. No, yes. no. We are talking about we are talking about Chile. We are yeah, talking no, about all of these Guatemala, Nicaragua. Oh yeah. The all school of, of the Americas. Places. Yeah, the whole school of the Americas. Okay. Yeah. You have to, you know, Iran Contra was just like a middling thought. Right. It was, but it's, uh, yeah, I bring it up for a reason that will become clear later. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll talk. But yeah, you we'll are absolutely later. right that it is far more intense government overthrow, Allende, you know, the stuff yeah, that happened in Honduras. Yeah, and putting the stuff. Shah in, and then oh, the Shah eventually Shah. gets, you know, Ooh, the yeah. American, you know, so the American government was after, after the Second World War. We just you ran know, around the world, overthrowing every every slightly socialist. Well, I mean, there was this. There find. was the Cold War, right? Oh yeah. But I think that that um, Treadstone, or the, or something like it. And just remember, we've just finished doing uh, the Man from Nowhere, and yep. that was basically this kind of a project. Oh yeah, that absolutely. he was part of. Yeah, the the guys who go and they kill North Vietnamese or Chinese people who are doing espionage against them, like they are. You know, the yeah. guys who, the counter. They are the know, Treadstone guys of South of, Korea of South or Korea. the Treadstone guys of India. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> in Rocky that's, uh, Okay. Yeah, well, yeah I know. Rocky but, answer. So, yeah. they, they go off to do the job, which they're told is there's a guy. He well, moves I, $2 million a day in, in marijuana. 
through down to uh, from Canada down to the United States. And then we find and uh, uh, and then we find out that the profit organization is not drug dealing. It's everything. Yes. Anything you can't get that you want, they will sell you. And that's people. That's drugs. That's their main job. Military. Guns. Equipment. Yeah, exactly. If you can't get it, he will sell it to you. They are in the they are in the business of international contraband, and they've got to go kill this guy before he can give up their dope operation, which is two yeah, million dollars there, a day. It's it's their guy in the Vancouver port. Yeah, their guy in the Vancouver Cause port. Because the stuff is coming into the port of Vancouver and then moving into the United States. Yeah, well, no, no, it's not, um, you gotta remember, it's marijuana, so this is all Canadian-grown marijuana, and he's in charge of getting it across the border, because you can make a lot more money selling it in the States than you can, can selling it in Wait Canada. Wait I was, never mind, okay, so I missed something there, um, yeah. but anyway, because I thought it was coming into the port, so you're saying no. that this was yeah, no, a guy he's at just the border the crossing. Guy. Yeah, he's the export guy. He's a, yeah. okay. He's the a guy who handles all of guy. the export. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, they're gonna go to where the, uh, where the Mounties have him locked up and they're going to, they're going to grab him and then they're going to kill him. And as Roger says, kill anybody who gets in the way. And of course, this is a problem for Vinny because the people in the way are cops. (laughs) So we get quite a bit of tension because, you know, Roger drives his car right through the wall of the house well, it's so funny because, because right, you know, there's Vinny. Well, how are you going to get in there? It's pretty well. You've forgotten already about yeah. my car. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> we just went over this. You know. He drives right through the wall. Vinny shoots, you know, just to the left or right of people's heads, putting himself in danger because he's trying to keep people alive because that's who Vinny is. They manage to drive the guy out. They drive, you know, they rush away. Right. And they get in a car chase because guess what? Uh, Vinny, and we don't see this happen, but Vinny managed to get a message to Frank about who they were going to hit. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know how Vinny did this. Uh, I don't well, know how he, might he got have away. talked. He might have talked to Mike at some point. Yeah, like he know, must have gotten a call to Uncle Mike. Yeah. Just, we don't see him do it. So we're just no. left to assume because he did that talk he to Uncle Mike. Yeah, uh, earlier uh, on before breakfast or after yeah, breakfast after breakfast way at the beginning he yeah, managed so, to call uncle mike exactly and and so he probably don't know did this again probably i'm just saying like we, this is the one part in the episode where something happens that we didn't actually see happen yeah. but it's well, like, and the because interesting... frank is there because frank is there we have to know that that like he got the call in because Frank is exactly where they end up. Okay. And what you have to remember, like the, the last time he went to see, you know, that he managed to get Frank. I mean, he went down for ice. So he is pretty good at trying to find ways. Yes, that's true. Um, of, sneak off of, and get of, this of information. Sneak off and get, this is of course in the world before cell phones, etc. Yeah. So, um, and but, I mean, to get work. I don't know if it's a cut scene. I don't know whatever. But we have to assume there is a sequence in which Frank had somebody at the hotel and Vinny wrote down who the target was and left a piece of paper for the guy to pick up or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, because there's no way he'd get away from Roger to make a phone call, but he could have like left a note somewhere. 
And we don't see this happen, but we know it did. But so there may be protocols. Chase. You know, exactly. there's always there's always protocols and stuff. For and I mean, contact. Yeah. But the one thing that I was going to say before we kind of move on to what happens next, because it's yeah. so funny, but it is. it's not funny in but you know, is that the one thing that Vinny is gonna learn from Roger is mm -hmm. patience. Yeah. The one thing Roger learned in Nam was patience that's absolutely and right you just wait mm -hmm. and all will come you don't go out and yeah. and and Vinny, of course doesn't have that no never has he really doesn't we've watched him with sunny and he has no i mean he was gung-ho with i mean that's why he and sunny got along so well he oh, was yeah. go 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 you know, these yeah. days we would be calling them hyperactive. Yeah, no. Or some uh, other he thing. He and Sonny, right? 100%. Like, yeah. they were absolutely peas in a pod in that respect. Yeah, and so Roger has got the patience of Job, as yeah. they would say. And yeah, he like, will wait. He's got all this money, and one day he will quit. Mm -hmm. But he's also already been trying to tell, tell Vinny, you make a mistake, you die. Yeah. You don't get to make a mistake. Your this first is a world, mistake yeah. this is, is a, your last mistake. This is a zero. Yeah, this is a uh, zero tolerance. A world. Zero tolerance for error world. So they race out. Uh, they get chased by the cops. We actually get to see the trunk Gatling gun in action yeah, as it geez. blows up a car, which yeah. the guys had run out of. Yes. Cops had run out of. <laughs> cops had fled the car. Don't worry. Vinny was not, you know, on board with killing any cops today. So just want to keep the, you know, keep you uh, from worrying and about it too much. And besides, they were Canadian cops. Oh, yeah. So they were really corrupt, you know. Exactly. They were corrupt. <laughs> Sorry. I we'll talk about this. that in a minute. We'll talk about yeah. that in a few episodes. Yeah. But anyway, so they manage to get, and they catch Roger, uh, and Roger gets shot through the arm. Yeah. He starts losing blood. They have a car crash, and he falls unconscious. And so... Yeah. Charles is like, great, we'll wrap this up. Uh, the whole operation's over. Frank feels the same way. But Vinny insists that, no, this job is not over. Like, this you have bigger. Because he, he has not been able to communicate to them what he saw on the boat. Yeah. But essentially, the boat was a giant bacchanal full of rich and famous people. Yep. Right? Like, uh, business people, celebrities, just everybody on this boat having orgies and doing drugs uh, in the open. It's like, this is a giant organization. And if Roger gets thrown in jail, that's our, we no longer have access to this organization because Roger can vouch for Vinny. But if Roger's uh -huh. gone, they have no way into this, the biggest criminal organization they've ever got wind of. And somebody's looking for Vinny. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Cause yeah. if, uh, it, it, as you say, it could even kill his, cover if he doesn't get roger out of this so yeah. he gets roger out of this they go and they show up uh they, they go to a like a small house in the middle of nowhere which again would make per perfect sense for uh based on the uh, area we see I, I feel like that would make perfect sense for like quebec or rural ontario i mean maybe there's places like that just outside of vancouver oh there really are seem like it's okay there are good oh uh, yeah yeah i wouldn't worry about that but this reminds me remember criminal minds when they go to that you know the houses on the other side north of windsor 
Oh, yes, right. Around Sarnia and stuff, right? <laughs> and they go to yeah. Sarnia and it's the desert. Just just remember, Canada is, okay, Canada is full of empty spaces. Oh, absolutely. I mean, as Canadians, sometimes we think like BC isn't full of empty space because of Vancouver and Victoria and stuff, but it, but is. it is. It's just full of empty spaces yeah. and people have homesteaded and That's true. all of that. So there are be, all of these yeah. farmhouses out in the middle of nowhere. Well, and there are, yeah, there are places. And I don't even think, I know that, that you were saying it pro problematic, but I think that um, even if the mob is not particularly um, big, in vancouver you know if you wanted to argue that yeah but they would probably still have connections if he phoned his guys back in new jersey or in in you new york it, right? it's not completely impossible it's not com that he would that that his that there would be a guy he could find yeah yeah that he could find there's always somebody on the take because remember there's all of this illegal business in um vancouver Oh right? yeah, absolutely. And and remember that um, that soon we're going to find that there was at least some place. This is where Aldo was hiding. I'm not. Oh, it's yeah. not a secret, but uh, you know it's not. But a again, secret. Uh, spoiler. So alert. there is. It, it's it where would Aldo make more hiding. sense if it, if was, it was in Montreal. Montreal. Yes. I'm That's not going to say, say it. W it wouldn't make more sense because yeah. there are so many of them. In, it, like the Montreal is still. Right. In fact, we're just we're only we're only maybe six months out of this. Just I think a discussion about whether there had been a couple of hits in Montreal and whether yep. there was going to be a mob war starting starting. Yeah, it's because still a of thing course that... somebody died and somebody got a got put. When I hey, when I lived in Montreal, uh, I famously one day I decided to not go to my morning class on a complete whim. And I, when I was walking to school, I walked over a mountain to get to school every day when I was going to McGill. And so I don't go to my morning class. And as I'm walking over the hill, there are is 10 cops and a bunch of crime scene tape around this restaurant at the top of the mountain. I walk over to get to school every day. And I'm like, hey, what happened? And they're like, yeah, uh, some bikers shot a uh, mob guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When yeah. I would have been walking around there. So I really lucked out that time. Yeah, you lucked out. Well, no, because it is, and of course the the uh, the biker gangs. I mean, yeah. you talk about sons of anarchy, but the biker gangs were really, really big, and for a long time coming oh, out absolutely. of Quebec. Um, oh, it was huge. There's there's um, there's a whole series of uh, Michael Ironside so starting a whole series of TV movie miniseries about the rock machine this yeah. unbelievably famous motorcycle gang out of montreal that just was uh, yeah Quebec. Um, it's yeah. an incredible story that we can't get into here but no, no. wow yeah go 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 put in you know go into google and put in the rock machine and you're gonna learn and put just some amazing stories and just wait for, and and just get to the ones that are talking about quebec right yeah get to the ones that talk put about your quebec, quote marks it? around it and then uh <laughs> You know, the ones that are, yeah, it is. And um, I mean, it's the gangs and the rest of it are everywhere in a decent sized city. I mean, for oh, God's sake, we've got the outlaws. I've got the outlaws living uh, one block away from me <laughs> in downtown. Damn. And there has there have been some serious problems while I was gone. I'm on vacation, right? And I <laughs> have checked and gone, oh, shit, and it's all 
it's not on my street because we're too close. But let's just say that there was a there was an organized crime related murder one and a yeah. half blocks from your house. Well, it's not and even one just... and a half blocks; it's one block. <laughs> right. See, sorry, I guess I got that wrong. Yeah. You you just got it too far away. I could walk there in one minute and a half. You know, it's oh, down God. the alley. Okay, yeah, I, 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 know. I have an alley. My house is, there's an alley between me and the other, and I walk down that alley, and that's the murder house. There you go. As we call it, <laughs> as we lovingly call it in the neighborhood. All right. Um, so, so, back yeah, in the show, all... three days later, back in the show, three yeah. days later, uh, Roger has recovered. Roger has well, recovered. Well, quasi-recovered. Roger, he's at I least mean, woken up. He's woken up, but he's still got a lot of blood loss. He's still in bad shape, and he wants to know what happened with the guy. And, you know. Uh, Vinny says he pl- he killed him and he planted him like he was supposed to. And then Roger says we were supposed to interrogate him and find out who he gave up so various people could flee and destroy evidence before they right. were indicted. And Vinny quite reasonably says, yeah, you didn't tell me that. Yeah. You told me we were going to kidnap and kill somebody. If you're a little more open with information, we wouldn't be in this situation. I'm like, yeah, no, that's a really good point, Vinny. Like, this is, you know, chalk one up to Vinny on this. Yeah, you can understand why Roger didn't tell him because he's the new guy on the block. The oh, absolutely. But Vinny's also right up where he's out. coming from. Oh, yeah. It turns <laughs> out. Yeah. So yeah. this saves both Roger and Vinny. It does. And so they go out to where Vinny planted him. And of course, it's a uh, it's the thing we've been alluding to over and over again. A, uh, a corpse from the Ottawa Medical <laughs> School. Like, yeah, they Take put a corpse up. on a plane and flew it... <laughs> 5,000 kilometers for this <laughs> Practically all the way across Canada. Almost, yeah. Well, literally all the way across English-speaking block of Canada. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, you're just we're literally at the eastern end of Ontario. Like, we're as far as you can get from Vancouver before hitting Quebec. Yeah. Uh, it's it's hilarious, but it's it's very funny to Canadians this scene, but probably not to anybody else. <laughs> no, everybody else just takes it for. Yeah, they just they just hear the name of the city and they're like, "Oh, okay." That's in like, Canada too, yeah, right? I guess that's in Canada too. Yeah. I'm sure everything in Canada my, is close my, to everything else in Canada. Yeah, and so and you want this thing, and you know how long things debate anybody who's ever talked about or seen anything about boneyards. Oh yeah, you know. It takes a long time for body to decompose. I mean, that's the other thing. This body well, no. could not have been. Oh no, Vinny lied. Ah, Vinny, uh, yes, no, you got to remember, Vinny yes. uh, put lye and acid and uh, yeah. acid on it to make sure it decomposed. And then back. Roger goes, "Oh yeah, the mob way of doing things." Yeah. Hey, Ma- mafia vanishing cream. Yeah, mafia vanishing cream. <laughs> which, which is a pretty nice line. <laughs> I thought it's there were some line. great lines in this show. I mean, honestly, the the writing, it's so clever this year. Like, this half of the season is so clever. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's honestly, the first half of the season is is fantastic. It's, it's perfect television. But it's like, there is, how do I put this? It's less serious without not taking the situation. Like, they never don't take the situation seriously, but they get playful. Does that make well, sense? Well, uh, it- well, what it is, is I, here, there are some things. Please. Once they committed themselves to not having to deal, they fell in love with Sonny just like everybody did. Of course. Just like Vinny did. I've said this at the end of the <laughs> last one. Everybody yeah. fell in love with Sonny. And once Sonny was gone, and you gotta because change that the relationship, 
was so freaking intense. Oh God! That those six, eight, nine episodes Mm -hmm. were so intense. If you watch them back to back, you're just like, whoa! It's jaw dropping. Yeah. So what happens is. is is you switch. You get and and once we get to Kevin Spacey in the next episode, yeah, right, it's a you're going to different see different kind of. And the only thing that I would say is about Gary Cole being removed because yeah. apparently he's difficult to work with, but um, at times. But I think with Gary Cole, it might have still been more intense, so it may have ended up being um, the wrong energy the wrong energy for this kind of an episode because what Kevin Spacey does with, with the character, I don't see Gary Cole giving ever. Yeah. And, and it would have been different. And Kevin Spacey does. It's a scare. This, this whole 11 episode arc is as scary as hell. Yeah. And yet it has this looseness to it that a the playful energy between Roger, the, Playful, the energy between Roger and Vinny is set up so differently and works so well. And Roger is just the opposite of Sonny. Yeah. Oh, he really absolutely. Is. He is he is quiet, he, he is, is restrained. restrained. Yeah. And as we are and we are and the more we learn about Roger, the more we know Roger, the more we end up caring. And you end up caring about Roger. Just yeah. the same way that you ended up caring about, well, not the same way. I would argue you, more so. Yeah, I would that argue Roger, that you end up loving Roger more than you loved, uh, but we're not going to yeah, tell tell no, why or get into no, this. But, but, but I would argue we, that by the end of the show, you like and lo- you love Roger more than we loved Sonny. Yeah, and and that, and I think, but I it so you needed that difference, but I also think that the writers, mm-hmm. you know are enjoying this more because they are able to put some of this stuff in, right? Yeah. Like this, this line about, you know, um, the, the vanishing, cream, cream, yeah, the right? vanishing you know, line. I mean, that's, that's funny. It's funny. It is. I mean, these you know? days you don't go to the, the pharmacy and buy vanishing cream, but that, no, but, but yes. it does exist. It does exist. Plus, they just, yeah. You know, they don't use that term for it as much anymore, no. but no. vanishing cream to remove and cover up blemishes. That's, you know, like that's a yeah. real thing. And it's, yeah. it's a very clever, it's a very clever line. Yeah. So you, you're getting, they can do clever lines differently yeah. now. Oh, and they can do, and they've got a whole, I mean, this is a whole slew to work with i mean we're oh, absolutely I, if any if people listening haven't watched why sky then they don't know what we're talking about and this just must keep be watching. very weird for them please but keep, keep watching. watching just keep watching why it, sky. Gets, it just gets better and better and better and better yeah like it really does this season like this whole season just gets more and more incredible so the point is he convinces roger he gets in with the criminals and we see sue one more time inviting Vinny. To like a world where anything you want can be yours. Yeah. Like literally anything you want can be yours so long as you're willing to, you know, work for it. And well, that yes. is where we close Every off now the and then we'll ask you. Yeah. Uh, we're going to ask you to do something and you had it done. Then we get to the second episode, which hard to estimate, probably set a month later. Probably. 
Because Vinny's been working with Roger for a while now. Yeah. And people have started to get comfortable with him. Yep. All right. And right at the start of the episode, we meet, uh, like, immediately, we meet Kevin Spacey. Like, they don't waste any time at all. <laughs> well, it's interesting yep. because he was Mel supposed Prophet. to get, he was supposed to get, like, some kind of dramatic introduction in the first episode. But when that, you know, ended up not happening because of the Gary Cole situation, they're like, screw it. We're not doing a dramatic intro. We literally, the episode starts with him screaming that people are trying to poison him. Yeah. Like, again, like he's a king. Yeah. The people are trying to poison him, and we have Susan calming him down by suggesting they uh, start rotating people's food. food, Like, rotating who tests the food, meaning they're going to have to be all the more careful. And of course, he's not getting poisoned, he's just paranoid. And Susan was going to even try the food, and he throws it off the table. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, and that's the thing, and it's right there in who he is. On one level, he knows this is un- irrational, yeah. but he wants people to have to, even when he's being unra- irrational, he wants people to have to play into his irrationality. That's why instead of letting her, like, take the way the food and test it, he destroys the food. Yeah. Because it's like, he doesn't want to be proven wrong. So you're learning stuff about him right away. Yeah. And then we find out about the plot of the episode. A guy he knows from, is it Argentina? I think it's Argentinian. Now, now wait a sec. Doesn't oh, doesn't Sue calm him down right almost oh, right yeah. away? Then, yeah. Kicks no, everybody out. Kills everybody out and gives him heroin. Yeah, gives uh, him his drug cocktail. Yes, his drug cocktail. His of... prescription drug cocktail, as <laughs> yeah, he says. Okay. As he refers to it. Yeah. And she put, and like as most... she said, she put something special in it this time. <laughs> I know. And I want to point out that yeah. like most uh prescription drugs. It's injected into his feet. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, but but I think that, that because you have to bring that up right now, because oh, yeah. it sets your character up right from yeah. the beginning. Oh, absolutely. And you think, the fact and that what he immediately, you think, sorry, please. What yeah. you think you're going to be dealing with someone who can't cope or can't yeah. run this or like he's just, and it, this whole thing. The first thing, thing we see him is so completely off the rails. Yeah. yeah, that you so, think, well, what's going on? I mean, what, how, how can this man? Thing? But then the second his sister comes in and yeah. gives him the drugs and talks him down, he is immediately ready to work. Yeah. Like, he is immediately, he can lock himself down as long as he has Susie there. Yeah, as long as his sister's around. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's great at his job as long as his sister is there to keep him calm. And that's what's key about the character. Yeah. And that's, again, part of what's so fascinating about their relationship, because it's one of the weirdest relationships in television. <laughs> I, I honestly, I can't think off the top of my head of one that is weirder. Yeah. Like the two of them. It's yeah. so fascinating because Susan has to, has created this facade of the always calm, always on top of it woman, because she has to, because otherwise there is no one to keep Mel in line. And without and she, Mel's drive, they never would have gone live, out of... Yeah. Yeah. And she can't live without Mel either. Oh, no, of course. Yeah. Like, you she I mean? can't live without Mel. Because without 
without Mel's, like, desperation to constantly move forward, they would have been crushed by the yes. circumstances of their birth and youth. Yes. And we do find all of that out in next this episode. episode. No, it's next episode that we find out everything about their background, isn't it? No, it's this episode. Oh, you're right. It's this episode. It Sorry. is yeah. this episode. You're because right. You're at right. The, at, because he does tell them, too, yeah. that it was Susie's idea. Yes. To kill... To, to kill, kill Tommy Martin. To kill which, Tommy okay. Martin when they were um, children. So just to fill you guys in quickly, they were orphans. They were literally yeah. like he was left. Uh, they were literally orphans abandoned, right? Yeah. She was a newborn and he was two. Yeah. And they grew up in the foster system and they were adopted by the Martins. And Tommy Martin had caught them kissing yeah. when they were like, you know... 13 and 11 or 14 and 12 or something like that and told the parents uh, and they killed him and they thought they could stop him from telling. So they strangled him and drowned him in a pool. Yeah. So yeah. Susan's, the, yeah. And it Susan's was Susie's idea. idea. Susie's, and Susie's idea, idea. And he did it. And Mel made it happen. Yeah. And, and that's and, the key. Cause both of them are completely responsible for everything that happens. Yeah. Like and, there's, the, what you have to understand is that because Vinny did get the fingerprints, so they did figure out who they actually were yeah. and they and the backstory. That's how we find everything out, you know, but the but the problem is, uh, what was I going to say? Um, it's not just that Susie does everything. Mel f follows and what does mel say the two oh now now for whatever reason i've lost my train of thought don't worry um, about it i'm gonna put talk about the actual plot of this episode while you think about that so um mel while high and you know getting together getting it together points out that paco bazos a yes. an argentinian uh drug smuggler mm -hmm. is getting married and he's been invited yeah and so they say they should go uh, they say, they, why, why not go? Why not support? Paco's good for business. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> they go. Mm. And uh, he decides right away that Mel decides that the guy's, uh, <laughs> that the guy's wife must be in the CIA or the FBI or something. Because well, why he is meets this? the mother. Yeah, he meets the mother. And he yeah. says, uh, really, uh, where are you from? And she's like, Minnesota. And he's like, really? Because I heard you were from Virginia. Yeah. And he's got this obsession with Virginia. And uh, in one of his manic episodes, he talks about how he proved that Tony Bonaventure didn't have a mother in Virginia. Right. Yeah. And later we find out the story there is that Tony Bonaventure had been making phone calls to Virginia. And so Mel dragged him out of his bed in the middle of the night thinking he was working for the cia yeah. and the question is like was he working for the cia or did he as roger says just transpose two numbers in an address because he had pulled out uh right out of his bed in the middle of the night and he couldn't remember exactly where his mother lived and so he got brutally murdered because of it yeah and we don't know what happened but uh, anyone who's from virginia he is incredibly suspicious about so you better hope that Vinny got rid of that Quantico uh, driver's license said, yeah. <laughs> that caused him so much trouble with Sonny, Sonny. back yeah. in the day. 
Uh, so they go and the wedding's happening and we do the whole interruption where <laughs> Mel says, call off the wedding, give me a couple of weeks to check this woman out. And if you do, I'll get you an extra couple of million dollars on the next three drug moves. Uh-huh. And of course, Paco is massively offended. He's yep. disgusted. And he throws Mel out of there. And of course, Roger's like, well, this means war. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've been here long enough to know what's coming. There's going to be a war. Yep. And he's not wrong. And he's not wrong. And there is a war. And we can quickly do this. I mean, it's oh, absolutely. pretty clear. They, I mean, Paco's guys go and kidnap Susan. Well, Mel no, and goes... The, the... Uh, the fact that Paco's guys kidnapped Susan is very important because it's what I was talking about in the previous episode, them yeah. se uh, setting things up. Because uh, he says to him, right, um, the second in command. Uh, so Roger is overall head of security. Yep. And Marcos, uh, the guy from the first episode who was there, who was essentially Susan or Mel's bodyguard. Uh -huh. Right. Early in the episode, there's this wonderful scene where... Uh, <laughs> Mel finally decides he wants to get to know Vinny, who's been around for a while, and he seems to be sticking, so he decides to play Russian roulette with Vinny. Oh, God, yes. Yeah, well, okay, talk about that. Yep. With an empty gun. Because, mm -hmm. again, he's just, he's playing with him, and he wants, he wants Vinny to know not to get too close to his sister. Because uh, yeah. Susan obviously likes Vinny, right? And so he wants to under make Vinny understand what the pecking order is, yeah. unquestionably. It's it's a nice scene, but it gets better because then uh, Vinny is like, I don't like it when people are pointing a gun at me. I always have five bullets in my revolver, so your odds are a lot worse than mine were. And he blows up a lamp, and the guy who runs in is the personal bodyguard to Susan Mel, and that's Marcos. Yeah. And the key is, and this is the part I love, so uh, Paco says, let's have a meeting, let's see if we can you know, hash this out before things get to violence since we've made a lot of money for each other over the years. And uh, and so they go, they have the meeting, and that's where we find out, oh, there's a reason they were setting this guy up. Because it turns out uh, Marcos is a guy who was essentially planted in his organization by, by the... Paco. Yeah, by, yeah, the Argen... by Paco. He's Argentinian, yeah. right? Oh, no, no. Um, Brazilian? Uh, Paco's... No, no. They're both, um, Paco's head of security is a Cuban and, uh, and His Marco cousin. is a Cuban as well. And okay. they're cousins. And we yeah. realize, oh my God, this has all been a plan. Like he wanted to have backup there right, just in case something went crazy, uh, just in case things went wrong, you know, things went crazy with Mel, which of course they were always going to. It's Mel. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's insane. It was always going to be a bad scene, and this guy had an escape plan. And his plan is kidnap, use Sue's bodyguard to kidnap Sue, which is what he does, and say you turn o you know, you turn over your entire drug or like network to me, and after you a month after you've done that, I'll give you your sister back, or maybe I'll just decide to kill her the way you decided my wife had to get killed without any consultation or any thought. So it's this weird situation where you totally get where Paco is coming from. <laughs> like, yeah, Paco's, I mean, 
He's a scary a guy. Taco doesn't realize taco. he's dealing with... Wait, 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 wait. Just a second. Before we get there. Before we get there. Uh, but pa- Paco is not actually being that unreasonable considering who he's working with. So then we get... The rest of the episode is just a quick action, uh, a bunch of set piece action where they... Uh, a bunch of stuff comes together. They've got this setup thing earlier where a guy's preaching about the end of the world all around town. And they use him to distract people while they come in and raid the place. And they pay a guy to rig a bulletproof car for them to make their getaway. Like, it's all very fun A-team action movie kind of stuff. Yep. They do the raid on the house where that Paco has rented. They rescue Susan. Paco accident like, and in an interesting note, because I guess she's right on board with him as a criminal. The minute they see uh, gangsters running up, Paco's wife pulls out her own gun and starts shooting at them. Yeah. All right. And then this leads to a uh, a horrible accident where Paco accidentally shoots his wife while trying to shoot Roger. Then Roger kills Paco. They make their getaway, and everything's fine. And we're like, oh my god, that was a really fun action scene. We just had a great time. Is what you're supposed to be thinking in that moment. Yeah. And then we get the next scene where uh, uh, where Frank and Ch- goes to Charles from the CIA in order to uh, have a conversation. Uh-huh. And uh, turns out that uh, that woman was right. Paco's was wife. Right. Yeah. Paco's wife was in the CIA. Yep. Recruited out of uh, Argentina or Brazil. Oh, no. Um, She, yeah, like uh, she's in the CIA. Yeah, she. uh, And then we get Uh, the last scene. Yeah, where Mel is sitting there reading a newspaper about how a government agent was killed in a gang war. And his wonderful catchphrase, only the toes knows. Yeah. (laughs) And you see him wiggling his toes. Only the toes toes. The toes always know. They always know because, and this is the key thing with him. It's, it's that he all like, he completely trusts himself when he's high, when he's high and all of the noise in his head stops. That's the only time he trusts himself. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say, because that's the other key. Both of them are so intelligent. They're off the charts. Yes. Both of them. They're off the charts. Genius. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and you know and as you say and so mel's got these things roaming around in his head and the heroin calms it down yeah and then he can do whatever it is and make the decisions and then the toes know well yeah the toes get the drugs too <laughs> you know <laughs> that's I mean, where he gets the drugs yeah. so that's why the toes knows and, the, and it's you just know, fascinating it's, just, it's this amazing but portrayal right. but because he was right that's such an amazing payoff in the episode. Yeah. He was right. Paco was getting set up by the CIA and the Argentinian government. Yeah. Like, he was right. It's so crazy. And that's the thing. It's like, it's this amazing depiction of a character who's so much smarter and so much of a better planner, but his head is so full of noise. Yeah. That he can't function unless he gets into an altered state of consciousness. Yeah. Like, it's such a weird character, and it's one of these villains, the likes of which I've almost never seen. Where it's like, there's so, like, his head is so full of, yeah. like, he's in so much pain all of the time. But I will of tell everything, you. All of the evil he's done, and all of the crimes he's, and all of the crimes he's been the victim of. Yeah, and <laughs> that's the key. 
everything that he's been the victim of um, more than anything else. Yeah. And the only real attachment he's got is to his sister. It's the only real attachment she has too. Mm -hmm. And everything else is fine, but nobody else matters but the two of them. And what, what I am going to say going forward too is that what makes Kevin Spacey's he never goes off into the crazy like no and i mean the stereotypical idea of what crazy is or the totally unrestrained throwing yeah everything is calculated even when in his craziness i think that's true and i think that kevin spacey is pulling that off i'm not sure you know what kind of direction canal and lupo would have sort of wanted from him yeah but whatever it was spacey delivered big time because and that's where i think you know it may have been advantageous that carrie cole was gone and they did take a chance on spacey because he'd only been in a couple of little things here and there he was on crime story you know he's on crime story done like an episode of the equalizer Mm -hmm. he was mostly a new york theater actor he was a little guy yeah yeah just he was not famous giving him the key yeah like the main role of these next eight episodes these uh, these next eight episodes is almost unheard of but that's what they did and the show, to the extent that it's remembered, a lot of it is, is remembered because of how crazily good Kevin Spacey is in these episodes. Like, there is a huge amount of people who, like, think of this as the definitive wise guy for a reason. Yeah. And it kick-started Kevin Spacey's career really hard. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it was... I mean, when you think of the different choices actors can make when you're trying to portray someone who is crazy yeah the way mel is crazy which is extreme paranoia Mm -hmm. um or the calculated stuff i'm not sure that there are few people that could truly carry that off without it turning into a caricature no i think you're right and And he pulls that's what he pulls off Yeah, the fact that this man who is, as you say, is completely insane in his paranoia, but at the same time, utterly controlled. Like, utterly controlled in the way he looks at the world whenever he's got Susan with him. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic. And by the way, uh, uh, (laughs) Vinny does the smartest thing he'll do in the entire series. There's a scene in here where he does uh, one of the smartest things he does. So... Roger's got a problem, right? In that Roger uh, is the one who hired Marcos, is the one who took Mm -hmm. the recommendation and hired Marcos. And if anything happens, and as, uh, (laughs) as, as Mel says, anything that happens to Susan is going to happen to Roger because that he's the one who screwed this up. And so Vinny does the smart, like in an unbelievably smart play, right? He doesn't know the lay of the land. Now, if Roger got taken out, he might have a chance to move up. But at the same time, at this point, he doesn't really know Mel or how the world works yet. So he needs Roger. So Mm. Vinny figures out how to find where they're holed up with a very smart technique, which is 
He's like, all of the, these guys are from South America. Like, all these hitters are from South America. He's like, all of the guys I've ever worked with from South America, like, won't eat farmed food. Yeah. Like, won't eat, like, food that came out of a factory in Kentucky somewhere. They want meat that's fresh and that they kill themselves. So call up all the local grocers, see if, you know, there's 12 guys, see if anybody's been buying a bunch of chickens. Right? And it's like, it seems like a crazy idea, but at the same time, you know, they're willing to try anything. That's how they find where Paco's hiding out. And the key part is, he gives the information to Roger to give to Mal. It's where Susan's hiding out. Exactly. Well, Susan's been kidnapped, not hiding out, been kidnapped. But the idea is that he gives the information. Yeah, being held. Yes. But the, the key part is, the smart play he's making is, this saves Roger's life. Yeah, because Roger's the one who got her back in the same way that Roger's the one who lost her. He's just saved Roger's life, which puts him in a position where Roger owes him, and that is the smartest thing he could possibly yeah, do. And and they do manage to because what we don't—I mean, for people who haven't watched it, of course, Mel is in the bathroom screaming how he wants <laughs> Susie, and they have he just to bring want Susie. Susan back. That's yeah, it. And he's just completely non-functional, and he's not going to get anything. Until and Susan so, is back. I mean, yeah. my God, if... Oh, yeah. And they send him, all they can do is send him in his uh, vial to shoot up so he yeah. can just be calm yeah. enough to be coherent enough to give them an order. You know? It's, yeah. Oh, it's such a good performance. Yeah, it, it really is. Like, is. You can't, you can't... <laughs> Again, yeah. we, we said at the start, we said at the start, we're, we're not going to talk about, we're not going to like no. pretend it's not an incredible performance. But again, we're not signing off on any of Kevin Spacey's actions in well, any way, yeah, shape or form. Well, yeah, it's, it's the, it's the, those. Art versus pro- artist. Well, and we, we, it, it is a continuing problem, but it's always been yeah that problem. I mean, you could bring up a million different cases of what do you do about the past? Yeah. You really have to. Okay. So let's talk Lewis Carroll. And are we now going to never read Alice in Wonderland again? Am I never going to watch another movie with Clark Gable in it? Cause he was a rapist. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, pretty what, hard like, if you're going to do, do films of the twenties, the thirties and the forties. Like know? how many of like, 50s. are we only allowed to watch? Are we only allowed to watch movies? With um, Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn? Like, is that it? Because, like, if you want people who didn't have scandals, that's <laughs> well, basically it. Well, he was married and they were having a long-term affair. <laughs> yeah, but he was Catholic. Like, he and his wife had been separated I for know. years. Like, no, but you're that's... right. Even my paragon for the most healthy relationship in Hollywood, one of the guys cheating on his wife for 40 years. <laughs> I know. I mean, no, you're right. I, and I'm, I'm foolish to not remember that part. Yes. Jimmy Stewart, that Jimmy Stewart, Jimmy Stewart and his wife. There. there you go. There, there, there you go. go. The one people person we can be completely happy with because yeah. he was on the right side of everything in history. There didn't history. seem so to be go. any scandal surrounding him and the rest of it. It is no. fascinating. Our ideas of masculinity and how masculine presentation is supposed to look. Mm-hmm. Because the whole point of the man of the man from Liberty, uh, the man who shot Liberty Valance mm-hmm. is, you know, that there's this uh, that fundamentally a guy who looks and presents himself like Jimmy Stewart 
couldn't have shot this tough guy. You need someone like uh, you Wayne. need someone like Tom John Donovan Wayne to do it. has these now. Yeah, Tom Donovan in the kid, the thing, but John Wayne, right? Mm-hmm. But the funny part is, in real life, you know, uh, John Wayne was a coward who dodged the draft, and Jimmy Stewart was a war hero in the second in the Pacific in the Second World War. Yeah. So no, it's all no, about no, like no, what no. our presentation is. We shouldn't be using the term coward because that 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 falls into that norm of masculinity even though he would have considered himself oh he considered himself a coward and he spent the rest of his life overcompensating yeah right and that's why he got so big into fighting commies to prove that he really was a hero yeah no and you're right obviously i don't think anyone should necessarily go to war that said those were nazis and they had to get shot Mm -hmm. and one of these two actors volunteered to do it yeah. and the other one did everything he could but to get to out like donald going. trump <laughs> just like donald trump yeah all right so yes that's the first two episodes of the mel prophet and susan prophet arc of wise guy mm-hmm. um i hope when you watch first off i hope you watched it but <laughs> yeah, i hope when you watched it you saw something that you really hadn't seen in television before and were amazed by it because yeah, partic- yeah. Ah, oh, particularly that first episode. The whole thing is fascinating. And as I said, the catchphrase from going forward is the toes no. <laughs> toes nose. Oh, although nose. I keep remembering. I, okay, can I can I just say one last thing? Of course that you has, can say is, one last thing. Is whenever I hear that, right? There was yeah. this uh rom com from Ooh. the late 50s, or no, it must have been the 60s. Okay. And I think it was Doris Day, David Niven, and somebody okay. else. I, you know, the, the usual, the usual culprits in this case, the usual suspects for these rom-coms from that period. Right. And of course, um, the, way, the way the butler knew who Doris Day was supposed to marry, even right. though she was she was set to marry somebody else, but there was the guy that she was in love with, right? But the way the way the, way the butler always knew was because her toes curled up <laughs> when she was when when she would kiss the guy that that, that one guy that and one not guy, with the other guy and not the other guy that she was planning on so marrying. So the toes knew. So the oh, toes that's knew, right? And I just. <laughs> So that has no, I always, get it. That I has get always, it. whenever I have watched this, there has That's always been of. that little thing of the toes <laughs> no, right? In this case, it's the toes no. Yeah, it's because of the heroin, but in yeah. that case. Oh, that's funny. It would be yeah. hilarious if that's something that was in Cannell's head or Frank Lupo's Well, you head, never Whoever know. wrote that episode. No, that's what I'm saying. Because Cannell is, it turned out. Yeah. I mean, he's a little he, bit older than me, but, but well, we're in the yeah. same. J- basic age demographic. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's not crazy to think he would have seen that movie. So there you oh, go. Oh yeah, you know. And then, then he right. just decided to take that little bit and stick it in, right? Yeah. <laughs> Whoever, whichever of the writers came up with that line, because we don't even know which writer came yes, up with and, that line. And that's, that's going to be my tagline for these two episodes: the toes. The toes knows. All right. So next week we're going to be back with two more episodes. One of them is Smoky Mountain Requiem. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Which is. Uh, just a fantastic hour of television. No notes. And then the sec. What's the second one? What's after Smoky Mountain Requiem? You really want me to look it up? I do want you to look it up because okay. I'm reminding people what to watch. Okay. Uh, Smoky I Mountain Requiem, which fun fact stars Rance Howard, 
who is Ron Howard's dad. Yeah. And has one of my favorite lines in all of fiction uh, in it. And of mm-hmm. course, it's a line from Roger, because everything's going to be about Roger for the next well, 10 Well, yeah, weeks, uh, uh, every, 10 every really good line is going is to gonna be, be Roger. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be from Roger because Roger gets all the good lines. That's that's generally the rule. Yeah, in the show, Roger uh-huh. gets all the good lines. Yeah, and, and by the way, exactly it. spoiler alert: later in the season, Roger gets all the best acting too. Mm-hmm. Well, so, we'll see now. Okay, the second one is player to be named. Oh, player to be named now. now. Oh my god! By the way, and that's the interesting thing because there's the timelines always confused the writers on this show. Mm-hmm. They had a hard time, uh, right. Getting like the timelines of various things fixed up. And in, in Smoky mountain Requiem, Roger's going to say that he's been working with Mel for a year. And you immediately think there's no way he's only been there for a year, given the, the kind mm-hmm. of organization this is, yeah. the fact that he's running security, but then right away in player to be named now, they go back on that immediately. So what I'm saying is when you think about timelines on wise guy, remember it's always fungible and the writers are always trying to figure it out. Yeah. And by the way, the, the first two episodes, these that we've just been talking about, Cannell himself wrote them. Yeah. Okay. So he did write both of them. There you go. Yeah. Both of them. Uh, As, as we probably should have guessed based on how Mm -hmm. they play and how crazy they are. And if you're not the creator of a show, Maybe you're not willing to go that crazy that fast. Yeah. There's actually, yeah. and there's a fun short you can watch. It's on the DVDs, but you can watch it on YouTube. And it's, um, you, it's called like revolt in the wise guy writer's room. Yeah. Because apparently like he showed up with, um, uh, independent operator and fascination for the flame. And all of the guys who thought they were making the Godfather are uh-huh. like, what the hell are we writing? What the hell has this show become? Is it now James Bond? Like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. But no, it just turns out that that line from the end of uh, Nobody Gets Out of Here Alive about the government, that's just something that he was interested in pursuing, and it had to become a very different show to pursue it. Yeah. About the, the morality of what he's doing and how different is the government from criminals. Well, if he wanted to do that, he had to... He had to take some big swings, which is exactly what the man does. Yes. This whole rest of this season is just big swing after big swing. And now, before we go, really fun piece of trivia that I thought I'd share. Okay. Okay, so both of the main actors in this arc, uh, William Russ and Vinny... Uh, Vinny, oh my God. Ken, Ken Wall, Wall. Were uh, essentially discovered by Philip Kaufman. Philip Kaufman, who, of course, literally discovered Ken Wall by casting him as the lead in The Wanderers when he was just supposed to be a background guy. And uh, although William Russ already had a decent career, like playing the bad guy in TV shows, Philip Kaufman, when he was directing The Right Stuff a few years after The Wanderers, cast him in his highest profile role ever as one of the test pilots. And here's where it gets good. (laughs) This is what I'm so excited to say. The... uh, the jacket that Roger always wears uh-huh. is his jacket from the right stuff. Ah. He kept the jacket that he played as a pilot in the right stuff. And that's what he's wearing in all of his episodes of wise guy. Yeah. That's what the leather jacket is. It's the same jacket from the right stuff. Nice. So there you go. It is nice, right? Yeah. 
And there's an entire generation of people who only know him as the dad from Boy Meets World. Uh. So I've never seen one episode of. But apparently Roger Lococo was like a sitcom dad for seven years. (laughs) It's like Kurtwood Smith, you know, like, Mm -hmm. you know, Kurtwood Smith. Yeah. From Robocop? From Robocop. Yeah, was a sitcom yeah. Dad. dad. Yeah. I know, it's crazy, right? Yeah, royalties but, roll in for the rest of your life. <laughs> because yeah, no, because those sitcoms it. did go. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, it did do well, so. Yeah. Hey. All right, so that's going to be that. Uh, as always, we want to thank you for watching and remind you that if you have any questions, if you have any comments, if there's any profiling-related fiction you think we should check out, Drop us a line at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you're listening on some sort of an app or podcatcher, be sure to rate and review the show because that's how people find it. We'll see you back here next Wednesday for those two episodes, uh, Smoky Mountain Requiem and Player to be Named Now. And uh, sadly, I wasn't able to find a VH copy of Independent Operator because the whole scene where we're seeing the drug fueled bacchanalia on the boat was supposed to be scored to an actual pop song, but they didn't have access to it. So it's another terrible example of them using library music. I know I'm disappointed too. So, uh, anyway, we'll see you back here next week, but until then I'm going to say that's right. Au revoir. And have a good week. Profiling criminal minds is a member of the kinks podcasting network.